Welcome to the Abundance Hub podcast. My name is Jessica Shembury. As an empowerment coach, mentor, and speaker, I'm dedicated to helping people learn how to live authentically in alignment with their values. I truly believe that everyone is capable of greatness. If you are looking for an honest and refreshingly down-to-earth podcast that can help you become the best version of yourself, you have come to the right place. Think of this podcast as your go-to weekly dose of mindset development. Get ready to feel empowered because the tools and strategies I'm sharing will absolutely change the way you think. Please visit theabundancehub.com to read more about my offerings and subscribe to receive a free gift straight to your inbox. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's begin. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this very, very special podcast. I'm super, super excited today because I have a gorgeous guest on with me and I I should have checked this before started recording, but I need to make sure I can say your name properly. So is it Solange? Is that how we say it? Yes. <laughs> yes. Awesome. So um, welcome to the podcast, Solange. And I want to say thank you because I know this is your first ever podcast. <laughs> Um, Thank you so much for having me. ah, I'm super excited and I'm always so grateful when people like you give your time, um, especially being a busy mum, as you know, as any mums can relate, it's, it's often hard to find 30 minutes of peace, (laughs) let alone with all the other things that I'm sure, you know, we all have to do and on a daily basis. (laughs) Um, but I will give, I'll give you a little intro, but I really want you to share your story with with the followers, um, rather than me doing it for you. But I came across Solange on Instagram. It w- I don't know how long ago it was, but it was actually, um, when you were pregnant with your twin boys and it, there was just something about you, obviously you're a gorgeous, incredibly good looking, beautiful woman. And you share some amazing pictures online of your family life. And really all you kind of were doing was just sharing what you were up to your journey in life and to me, it seemed pretty clear that you have a beautiful, loving relationship and that you were pretty passionate about creating beautiful images and memories with your family. Um, and, and I just attracted to you. I just thought this is the kind of girl I'd love to follow. I'm always about, you know, following people online that, that give you something positive that uplift you, that inspire you. I, I dislike following people that I feel like I've play comparison with or that I don't feel good enough next to. And so, yeah, I think, I think that's important for you guys, anyone listening to know and, and for you to know that that's why I followed you. Cause I just really felt like you were a beautiful down to earth girl and, um, and you're all the way in Perth. That's right. Isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, so that's my little intro, but I would love it. Solange, if you can share with with the, with the listeners, a little bit about your story. Um, as I mentioned, you were pregnant with your twin boys when I met you. So you have had, you know, some pretty, a pretty incredible ride in the last couple of years to say the least. Um, and one of the reasons that I truly appreciate you sharing is because I know that as, as women in general, we, we do often feel like we're fighting our battles alone and you were able to very publicly share, some, you know, some traumatic events in your life. And I think that, that in doing that, you definitely help build other people's strength and belief up that they too can get through things. So 
I'm going to give you the floor and, and let you kind of share with everyone a little bit about you and, and your family and, and we'll see where this convo takes us. Thank you. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. I feel so pleasant. Thank you very oh. much. Um, okay. Uh, I sort of don't know how far back to go, I guess. Um, a little bit about me. I guess I'm one of, I've got two older brothers and um, I've got a half-brother. So my dad um, remarried. Um, both my parents are Lebanese, so I'm um, sort of brought up in that sort of culture. Um, growing up, um, I obviously faced normal things that children do. Um, my mum suffered mental health um, illness, and unfortunately, both of my brothers um, suffered substance abuse. Um, and I just, um, I've had some challenges growing up and I sort of just kept, it was just my life and you don't, you don't see it any different because that's all you know and I just kept forging forward. Um, fast forward and I got married to my high school sweetheart, my husband, who I'm still with. Um, we have our beautiful daughter, Alea, who is now three um, and we um, conceived quite easily with Alea, um, which was amazing and then... After Alea, um, at her first birthday, um, I was having quite a lot of pain and I didn't sort of know what was going on. I didn't think that I was pregnant or anything like that. And then a couple of weeks later, um, I remember driving myself to the hospital and um, being told that one of my tubes had ruptured. And so I had an ectopic um, pregnancy in my tube. Mm. Um, and then obviously we were really... Um, we really wanted to give her a sibling. Um, I've always dreamt of having a big family. Um, I had somewhat broken family. My dad left when I was nine months old and it was a dream of mine to recreate what I never, or I shouldn't say recreate, to create mm. what I never had. Yeah. Um, a loving home, um, a really nurturing home. <clears throat> and so that's why my husband and I worked so hard on our relationship and our family. And um, so, yeah, that was the first sort of um, big sort of event, I guess, in terms of pregnancy that I experienced. Um, and so I had to have immediate surgery. Um, the thing was I actually drove myself because I rang my husband. I was like, no, no, it's probably nothing. Like, mm. I'll just go. And um, and then I've run him and said, I'm going into surgery, like, in the next hour. And uh. he was like, what? Um, and so from there... I only had one tube. I also was diagnosed at about 21 with polycystic ovarian syndrome and anyone listening would know that with PCOS, um, you're sort of told that it's more difficult for you to become pregnant because um, your cycle isn't regular. Yeah. So it's not that you're infertile or anything like that. It's just that your cycle is um, sort of out of whack. You don't have the 28-day cycle that most women do. Mm. Um, but we were fortunate enough that with Alea we fell pregnant um, naturally and similarly with the ectopic it was the same. So after the ectopic um, I then had to go into surgery a month later for I was quite sick with Alea's pregnancy. I get really, really severe um, morning sickness or all-day sickness. Yeah. Um, and so I had to have um, a hernia a hernia surgery um, from all the vomiting. It had sort of torn my stomach. Um, wow. So that was within a couple of months of each other. So it was, 
he was quite, um, I guess it just takes its toll on you yeah. a little bit mentally and physically when you're, you're sort of ill and, you know, you've got a beautiful toddler that wants your time and your attention and you're not well. Um, anyway, fast forward and um, I'm always quite a positive person and I don't know why and this might seem crazy to people. I just knew that I would have twins somewhere in my life. Yeah. I always knew and in fact I actually thought Alaya was going to be a twin and funnily enough when I was pregnant with Alaya they called me and they were like oh did you have IVF and I said no and they said okay we need you to come in I said is everything okay and they said yeah your hormone level is just through the roof and I was like oh what does that mean and they said well we think there's multiples in there oh. and so I went in with Alaya um being pregnant with Alaya and there was just one um but um, I wish I could, I think it's on my old phone, but I still have the image and there was actually two sort of sack looking things in there, which is in my first ultrasound, which is still really spins me out to this mm. day. Yeah. But um, there was definitely, they said there was only one. Um, anyway, and then, so I'd had PCOS, I'd lost a tube, I'd had a hernia operation and then I was so blessed to fall pregnant um, again naturally with twins and we were just ecstatic like I can't even put into words how happy we were we were just I just yeah I would just never forget that moment of telling Phil I was pregnant and I looked at him and I said I'm having twins and he was like what he was like he's like come he's like relax babe he's like let's just wait until we go for the scan I was like I just know it I yeah. just know where I am and we're driving to um, – I just have the biggest smile on my face because I know the ending isn't the most amazing ending, but for me the journey was so beautiful and that's kind of what I take away from from it all. Mm. And we were driving to our first appointment with our obstetrician and we're talking about um, – we were actually looking at getting a new car at the time and I said to Phil, oh, let's just wait because I think it's twins, so that might alter. And he just started laughing. He's like, oh, my God. Like, he just thought I was nuts. And so we, Maybe he was just like, scared. <laughs> I think that's a possibility too. Uh-huh. And so we got into the scan and um, I told um, the obstetrician, I said, I think I'm having twins. And she laughed as well and was like, oh, everyone says that. And yeah. I said, no, because I'm really sick already and I'm – already showing and and um sure enough she did the scan and she just sort of froze and looked at me and she goes there's one and then she said oh my god Solange and there was a second heartbeat and she goes you're having twins and I just burst out into tears and I just had the biggest smile on my face it was just I don't know if it was one of those visualization things where I had just envision I want to twin so much Mm. I I don't know what it is but we were just from that moment I don't think you know even if I just don't think anything could have wiped the smiles off our face we were just on cloud nine um my husband and I like I know some people get and and that would have meant we would have had three children under almost two years old so they would have been Mm. two years and one month um if they were born on their due date so it was going to be a very demanding and difficult journey, but mm. I just knew between us and between our relationship, um, as I said, Phil and I had been together since year 
10 in school. Um, so I just knew the strength of our relationship and that we could get through anything. Yeah. And I was just, it was, there was no a doubt in my mind about um, being able to do it. Um, I was just so excited and I know Phil was and Alea was maybe a little bit too young to understand at that stage, but it was just the most beautiful news we could ever hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being twins, you have extra checkups, you have um, extra appointments and things like that, which are all routine. Because it is consider- as soon as you're having multiples, it's considered a high-risk pregnancy. Um, there's obviously a lot more factors um, that come into play when you're having twins. It was a new world for us, so, you know, getting these multiple birth association brochures and all these things. We were just like, what is going on? Um, but it was amazing too. We were just so excited. And I remember being to a wedding a couple of weeks. Oh, no, I must have been about 12 weeks pregnant and we saw twin, I think it was twin boys there, and it was just we were just we're like that's going to be us and we it wasn't like a fearful thing we were so excited yeah <laughs> <clears throat> um anyway and then so I had my routine checks um I had my 12 week everything was excellent I had my 20 week and um at that time the biggest scans with twins were done by Professor Dickinson who works with the um medicine of um oh, fetal medicine unit or something like that at UWA and um, she does all the sort of major scans Yeah. Um, and so she did my 20-week scan and was just she was like I am so blown away at the health of the twins and your like your pregnancy like I think with twins you can get a lot of fluid around the babies there's all these sort of mm. risk factors and she said it was one of the healthiest pregnancies she'd seen in years and years and years wow <clears throat> so we were ticking all the boxes yeah and, um, yeah, just plodding along. Obviously, I had severe sickness being twins. Um, I did have to go into hospital twice, one for rehydration and one for, like, severe migraines where um, I had to have some, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I had to have some cortisol, um, cortisol, cortisol yeah. um, injections into my skull, which wasn't pleasant. Oh, but gosh. my migraines were horrendous. Wow. And is that Um, just because, you know, growing babies is hard, but growing two is even harder or is it it something that happens? Yeah, I think so. I just, um, they just sort of depleted all my basic. I remember having as well when I had the cortisone, I had a um, potassium, like I deplete from vomiting so much, I depleted the potassium in my body and which can make you really weak. and, um, And so I had a potassium injection or a drip from memory. Um, and sorry, even though I went through those things, it didn't sort of, I don't know, the excitement far outweighed any of that. I just mm. can't explain it. And you kind of, um, you kind of just have double the love. You really do. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, our 20th week scan was excellent. And we got her to, we got Professor Dickinson to write down the gender of the babies, um, Anyone listening from WA will probably know of Professor Dickinson. She's kind of, you know, the best of the best that you can get in WA. Yeah. Um, she wrote down, so for her to say the babies were exceptionally healthy, that I was, you know, like you just wouldn't think that anything was going to go wrong. Mm. Um, 
so she, we got her to write down the genders and um, about a week later we had a an amazing gender reveal party at our home just with a small group of friends um, and family. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, it was just honestly till this day that was still one of the best days of my life. I, yeah, I just, sorry, I get That's a bit okay. emotional. Um, it was just... It was just beautiful. It didn't matter if they were boys, girls, whatever, but it was just, I don't know, just having all your friends cheering and um, it was just to that point, even though I was a little, I was sick, it was somewhat the most perfect journey mm. up until that point. Um, so fast forward two weeks and we were out for dinner for my birthday Um. We went to my favourite Italian, just a little local Italian place. And I remember in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing, I kept saying that the chair was really uncomfortable. Yeah. And I was like, oh, is anyone uncomfortable? They're like, no, I'm like, oh, my back's hurting. This is so uncomfortable. This chair's terrible. Um, we had dinner. We finished dinner. Then we went to um, a dessert bar um, where they just served the most amazing sort of, you know, um, fancy sort of dessert. And we went there, we're sitting down, and again, my back was hurting. I was like, oh, what's going on? And I just thought, oh, one of them must just be sitting in the wrong place. You yeah. can't compare a twin pregnancy to a, to a singleton baby. It's just so different. And so I got home and I still, my back pain was sort of intensifying. And I didn't, because of all the scans we've had, like, nothing sinister crossed my mind at all, like, nothing at all. Yeah. And so I was swaying around the house, I was walking around the house, and I just thought, oh, come on, boys, <clears throat> he must be just be sitting on a nerve. And so it was like, it must have been about 11 o'clock at night that time. I said, oh, babe, my back's really sore. And so I just, for, like, 45 minutes, I was like, oh, and it just... I was like, oh, I better just call the hospital. Feels like I think you should call. Like it just wasn't going away. Mm. And I sort of told them what I was having. They're like, look, pack your bag and come in. And I was, part of me was like, oh, here we go. Such a waste of time because I, I guess this is the part that kills me most. My instincts told me that everything was fine. Mm. I didn't, I thought it was going to be a waste of time. I was going to go to hospital and they'd be like, everything's fine. And so we packed our stuff and we went to hospital and, I would never have imagined what would what was going to transpire from there. Um, Sorry, they had a obstetrician come and um, check me, and she said that I was already three centimeters dilated. Wow! And I was like, "What does that mean?" And she's like, "You're in labour," and I was like, um, "Or you're, you know, you're dilating." And I said, "What the?" early stages of labour and I was like okay and still at that point because you don't know you're in you don't know unless you've been through these things and I was like okay I just thought all right I'm gonna have a prem you know what I mean I'm gonna have preemie babies that's fine in my head I was like and um she's like look we think you're gonna give birth in the next 24 to 48 hours and I was like oh and I was like okay again I just imagined you know, my boys and tubes and things like that. And, okay, I'm going to have to be in and out of hospital for months. That's okay. Like, yeah. I can do this. 
Um, <clears throat> and part of me, Laurie, um, I think I mentioned to you before we sort of started this recording that um, it's funny how life works. So about a year before I fell pregnant, or was it a year maybe? No, it was less than that. It might have been a few months before I fell pregnant with the twins. Phil and I went to – yes, it was. It was only a few months before I fell pregnant with the twins. Phil and I actually flew to Sydney and we attended a Tony Robbins four-day seminar workshop. Yeah. And Phil is was never into this. I've always been into self-development, always been into um, that kind of thing. And Phil was like, oh, I've kind of relaxed enough that please. And then – a few people that he had met had been and they're like, it's life-changing, you need to go. And so we went to this, um, it's called Unleash the Power Within. And I remember him saying, Tony Robbins saying, that never accept what someone says to you. So if someone says you've got cancer and you've got six months to live, tell them, I appreciate what you're saying, but I, I will not accept that. Because as soon as you put that into your subconscious, that then becomes... They mm. say um, statistically that people will pass or give up before on that date. Yeah, yeah. And so I turned to the nurse and she must have thought I was nuts and I said, I appreciate what you're saying but I don't accept it. Um, my boys are going to be fine and they're going to stay. They're, they're going to continue to grow in me for the next four to, four to eight weeks. Yeah. And she just looked at me and was like, what the – and I just uh, – I just – went into this positive mindset and I was like, no, like, and um, so the next day, so that was at night, so I knew I was dilating, I just had to be on bed rest, I was on strict bed rest, and the next day they came and they did a proper, with the big machine, the scan, and it showed that Leo, was the first twin, was actually already protruding, so he was already mm. kind of half coming out. Mm. <clears throat> And that's kind of, um, I forgot to mention it, didn't I? I kind of felt like something in between my legs, sorry to sort of no, give that detail, okay. but I kind of felt something, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I felt something like, and I was like, oh, he's sitting really low, but I just, you don't know because there's two, so I just thought this is just what it must feel like. Yeah. Um, and so it was just basically a waiting game and... I remember laying in that bed and I was the first, I kind of got a little bit of shame over me and I was like, just here we are a week later and I'd, I'd shared a live video of our, um, of our gender reveal and here I am in hospital. Mm. Like, what am I supposed to say? And I was like, Phil, I just want to delete Instagram. I just want to delete everything. I just want to go into hiding, not not hiding, but I just want to be really private. Yeah. And he was like, no. He's like, your therapy and your strength is your writing. He's mm. like, you need to write about this. And I was like, no way, I'm not. And this, at this point, I was still in hospital and it was just bed rest. Mm. <clears throat> and I said, no way. And he said, babe, I know you. I know how much you love to write. I know what it does for you. He's like, I want you to. He goes, okay, just write it in your notes. Write something in your notes. Yeah. And I said, okay. So I wrote that night. I lay in bed and I just typed in my notes. I wrote like a bit of a, you know, an article about what was happening. Yeah. <clears throat> like a journal. Yeah, like yeah. a journal. And um, I ended up posting it and 
from that point, it was probably one of the best things I could have done. And I just got an influx of messages of women whose children were born, whose twins were born at, you know, 22 weeks, 23, uh, sorry, 23 weeks, etc. Um, and they were just giving me hope. And, you know, the kids were like eight or 10 or, mm. you know, four. And I was reading them out loud to feel. And so it was fueling our determination. It was just, it was the most amazing. I love social media for that. I love the positive that it that can come of it. And I guess up until that point, I, I never really, I was always dabbling in social media. I wasn't, I was a latecomer to social media. So I wasn't, um, I wasn't sort of committed to it and um, I've always sort of stood for something a little bit deeper and so I didn't know how to get that through social media. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. definitely. <clears throat> yeah, and so at this point after sharing that, it just, I won't say it went viral, but it did get a lot of yeah. attention um, and, yeah, I had hundreds and hundreds of messages and comments and they people won't understand the magnitude of those messages like they helped us so much and irrespective of the outcome for those five days that I was in hospital it was just I don't know our saving grace I Mm, guess yeah just to feel like this overwhelming support from people that you don't know and hope Yeah. yeah just support and hope and um just knowing that we weren't alone, like how many people had been in this situation before. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so it was just in bed rest. I didn't get better. I didn't get worse. And by day five, I actually started to feel great. And I started to feel really good. And there was talk of, and they were blown away because they had told me that I would deliver within 24 hours. And so 24 hours passed and then 48 hours passed and they were like, oh, my God, it's launch. And I was like, I knew it. Like I just, in my, in myself, I was like, I knew it. They're going to be okay. Mm. <clears throat> and then um, on day five, I was really well. And they came in and they said, look, we're going to move you up to a ward because I was still in the maternity. Yeah. Um, I was in the sort of delivery, mm, delivery suite, thing. sorry. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, and they said, we're going to move you up to a ward because – it looks like you're going to be here for a while. And I was like, excellent. So that was the first day that I said to my friends, um, you can come up because my friends had been asking, can we come and see you? And at that point I was like, yep, you can come. Um, And I told them what was happening. By that afternoon, something just turned. Um, I got seriously sick. I was vomiting, I got a temperature, like a fever, um, and then all before I knew it, all these doctors, everything, um, midwives, nurses were running in, and I was just like, what is going on? I didn't know at the time because they obviously pulled him aside and it's only been months later that Phil told me, but he said um, that they told him that they had an hour to get the boys out before I would at serious risk (coughs) so obviously because I was dilating my cervix was open and as us women know you're at risk of an infection Mm, yeah um and so for those five days I was in hospital I was getting checked every half an hour every hour every like my temperature just making sure that I didn't get this infection 
And so by day five, um, sorry, um, so yeah, it was just all all go. All of a sudden, I was giving like they said I had to give birth. Yeah. And at that point, everything just happened so quickly. Um, I didn't know that at 22 weeks, our boy, 22 weeks and four days, our boys were not considered viable. Mm-hmm. Sorry, in three days, legally in Australia, they would resuscitate them. Yeah. But at 22 weeks and four days, they will not. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that was a really hard pill to swallow. Um, and I know that with that sort of premature level comes a lot of risk and a lot of but you just don't care at that point you just want your kids like you just I don't know you, um you know what I mean oh, it's it just, would be irrelevant you wouldn't you wouldn't be thinking just, that makes any sense you would be just saying yeah you just I just want them like yeah. just save them yeah um but what happens is they don't there's not enough research at the moment to show how much the infection that I have how much it impacts the babies. Mm. So there's still no research into that and sorry I had to birth them and yeah, sadly they they passed away and they were twenty two weeks and four days. It's um, um it's I'm so sorry. I mean it I know that there's nothing that you can say to someone who's been through something like like what you guys have experienced, but it honestly it's just it's so hard to imagine the emotions that you would have had to experience going through something like that. Yeah, it was just, I don't know, it's just soul-stealing. It's just, you just can't even, you just can't even. And at that point I was sad, I was angry, like I didn't have the easiest upbringing and so I just thought, why? Like, why Mm. me? Like I've had so much already in my life, like why? Um, he was just, yeah, and it was just our little fairy tale and it just came crashing down and it was so hard and, yeah, I just, I don't, I still, I still struggle for the words to, to explain that day, but I chose to, from there, focus on the sick, like, or the five and a half amazing months that I had with my boys. Mm. And that might seem silly to some people and that's why I try not to wish pregnancy away because that time was so crucial to us. It was so – we talked about them every day. We talked about imagining them walking around in their little walkers together and their matching outfits. And I I did go a little bit crazy in the shopping like I – and I was sharing all my stories, all these cute matching outfits that I had bought. And yeah. I just, I don't know, I just never in a million years would have envisioned what what was going to happen. Yeah. When, when, um, when you went through that, was, was the obstetrician that had originally, like, was she there? Was it something where... Like basically, it was it was a matter of saving. It was it was did it come down to a matter of really saving your life at the same time because of the infection? Yeah, is that what? Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what. That's what I was saying. That I didn't know until after that. That's what they had said to feel, feel, feel. Yeah. Um. 
And, of course, he was like, no, you need to save my wife. Like, we've got a daughter at home. She needs to come home. I need her. Leia needs her. Mm. But, no, um, my obstetrician wasn't there because when – I'm not sure how it is on the East Coast, but in WA we have a hospital called King Edward Memorial Hospital, which is like a high risk. Uh, Um, And things when things go wrong, you kind of go there. So I rang my hospital, which was St. John of God, and they said you need to ring King Edward. Uh, And so, (laughs) excuse me. Um, And so I rang King Edward and they said you need to come in. Um, And so I was at King Edward, but my obstetrician, was amazing and came and visited me um, and um, um, came and visited me and, yeah, she was just incredible. Mm. She was so lovely. Yeah. Um, I just firstly have to say thank you so much for sharing and I can only imagine that when you have to go through the process of telling your story, it can be painful. I know... um, I know that for me, like I have had, you know, I've had a couple of miscarriages in between pregnancies and even those things, especially at the time, very painful things to have to talk Mm. about and bring up. And, um, you know, some of the things that you were saying throughout your journey with, you know, the PCOS and the eptopic pregnancy. And I think it's interesting because one of the main reasons I wanted to, to have you on here, and I know that it's a hugely painful story, but but a couple of reasons. One is that you have been able to share your story so, um, through social media and publicly, which is which is helping so many other women. And mm. and I really commend you for that because it would be easy to just. And I remember when I had my first miscarriage, I didn't tell anyone for over six months, like not even my family, not my friends, yeah. because I felt this embarrassment and this shame, and it was just a painful part of life that. I just wasn't really prepared for. And so therefore I just hid away. And I think that your strength um, has really come through in, sh- in sharing your journey and sharing what happened. Um, yeah. And, and without you, and I'm sure you do know, and you, you did mention to me earlier when we were chatting, you know, the, the, the thing, the people that reach out to you on a daily basis um, and whether they, whether they are coming to you just to commend you and, and share, I suppose, and sympathize with you, but also people that really admire you because of the way you hold yourself and how you've moved forward from this, from this event in a certain way. Um, Thank you. And no, it's really, I mean, it is commendable in it. And you mentioned earlier that you and your husband really value bringing up, you know, having a beautiful close family. And it's something that you didn't have when you were younger and you said something I can't I can't remember exactly, but it was something to the effect of that's why you take your relationship so seriously and you work on it and and value it. And I just just when you were saying those words, I thought, wow, it just goes to you can just feel from your heart that there's this level headedness within knowing what knowing what you what you didn't have when you were younger is something that you were actively seeking as as an adult. And I think. Yeah so many times in life, you know, people really do like, we all have something that's happened. And I spoke about this at an event not long ago with a couple of people who I coach and both of those girls have had some, some, you know, some serious traumatic events happen in their life as you have, you know, something that the majority of people will never have to experience. And, you know, you wouldn't wish it upon anybody. 
um, to Mm. have to go through something like that. And obviously with that comes a lot of character building and with that comes these decisions to move forward. And I'm sure for a layer, like you would have almost felt that there was no choice but to forge through because you had to go back to back home and be, go back into a parenting role. And, and I'm sure that in some ways that, that did help you get through or that forced you to, to have to get through at points. Um, but I, I think the message that I would love for people to hear is that we all have to go through some sort of adversity, but the biggest thing is that what you take from it, right. And how you then use it as something to, to either nourish your life moving forward or to go backwards. Yes, 100%. I think for me, obviously I had to sit with my grief for a while and, Mm. but you're right, having a layer. So I had a lot of people messaging me and it was difficult. People were like, oh, you're lucky you've got a layer. Yes, Mm. I 100% am. But at the same token, I had to get up and be mum. I didn't, um, it was difficult to just sit and cry and be, just be in your emotions. Um, so it had its pros and cons. Yeah. But I guess what she did for me and the mindset that I had was, and I think it has a lot to do with my upbringing. Um, I love both my parents very dearly, but they were very victims of their circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um they were always, they became what happened to them. Yeah. I didn't want to become what happened to me. That's something that happened to me. It's not who I am. I think that's the mm. biggest take home that um, that I took from it. I am not just the woman that lost her twin sons. Mm. I am who I choose to become. And at that point, I chose to become everything that I had put on hold, everything that I wanted to be, I decided to go for it and be the best wife, the best mother, you know, chase my dreams. I wanted to do psychology. I'm now back at uni studying psychology. I'm working on, you know, becoming a coach. I'm working on all the things that I kind of put on hold because of all these limiting beliefs that i they had in my mind Mm. and I just realized at that point that losing my boys boys that life is always going to happen life is always going to happen we're always going to have something and it's all different level of degrees of something so people be like yeah but what you went through is horrific and it is it's awful but we all have our crosses to bear Mm. and so you can't become what happens to you. And I saw that with my mom and her her mental health struggles and I still see it with her and um, my dad is the same and I didn't I didn't want that. I wanted to be I wanted to forge forward no matter what happened to me that I still wanted to live an incredible life. Mm. And I wanted to do that for a layer. I wanted her to see that yes, life throws shit at you real sometimes some really bad shit Mm. and there's I think and this is a really difficult one and I hope I don't offend anyone but I think and it took me a while to see it but I think there is a lesson in everything Mm. I don't think the universe was cruel enough for it to do that to me for me to learn a lesson but I think that I had to look at it and say what can I take from this yeah and the thing for me was 
self-care and self-preservation. I always poured from an empty cup. Mm. And I get emotional saying that because I did. You know, I looked after mum. I looked after dad. I looked after my two brothers when they were going through their substance abuse. And I always put myself last. I always bent over backwards for everybody. And at that point, I realised that all I had, yes, I had an amazing community on Instagram. I had an amazing husband. I had some supportive family and friends. But really, the only person at that point that was going to get me through it was me. Mm. And so I had to turn around and do some massive self-development. I got into meditation. Um, my gorgeous friend Steph um, did some coaching with me. I did some hypnotherapy for um, working on my subconscious and letting go of things from my childhood. And I did all these things to work on myself when for so long I hadn't done that. Mm. And I think that was my take home. So I think in any situation in your life, as hard as it may be, you, you need to look at it and say, what what can I take from it? And I know that's hard because, you know, you think of things of abuse and things like that and it's, and it's difficult, but it can teach, even if it's as simple as it can teach you what you don't want to be. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It could be as simple as that, but you just need to look at the glass half full and say, well, I could have looked at it and just gone harp on about it for the next 30, 40 years that I lost my twin boys. And of course, it's always going to affect me. But instead of turning into the beauty of the five and a half months I had with them, the beauty that I can take my daughter and have these beautiful rituals that we do together and we go visit them and Mm. we take a birthday cake or we go on Easter or we... You know what I mean? So it's, you know, some women don't even get – so if you lose your child, I think it's before 19 weeks, you don't even get the body to bury your children. Mm. And so that sat with me as well. Do you know what I mean? It's it's awful what happened to me, but there's there's always someone worse, if that makes sense. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, so for me, I was like, I have a beautiful place that I now call – their resting place and I go and see them and I feel them and I I just yeah I just had a really big shift in my mindset and I just had to turn around and look in me because as much as you think you're a wonderful for person for being so selfless and how I had been my whole life it was actually not a good thing it was a detriment to myself yeah so all that time that I thought, oh, I'm such a good, I'm such a good person. Look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. But the f- you're not great if you're not looking after yourself. Yeah, it wasn't serving you. It was serving them. No, mm. it's not at all. And I, and I was becoming a person I didn't like. Like I, in the couple of years before that, I was bitter and I was tired and I was, you know, angry at things and I'd get snappy and and it wasn't the person that I was, but it's because I was just continually pouring from an empty cup. And so since losing my boys, I feel like I've just been, I've reached a different level of consciousness. Like I'm, I'm so much more, um, present in my daughter's life, so much more present with my husband. I'm so much more, present in my own life and value myself I never valued myself as much as I do now and 
I think that's the biggest takeaway from me and the fact that, and I wanted to, and after that, and I can't thank my husband enough for me, like pushing me to share my story. Yeah. I feel like I just want to help anybody with what they're going through, realize that they can overcome it. And it doesn't have to be related to pregnancy or anything like that. It just any hurdle that you're going through, it's relative to you. And I don't want people to look mm. at my story and go, oh, mine doesn't compare because it does. It's relative to your life. Yeah. <clears throat> and sorry. Yeah, I just, I just found this newfound strength and I always thought I was strong, but I was, I think I was just sort of existing and now I know that I'm strong because I'm always operating from a full cup now I'm not pouring from an empty cup Mm. and that to me makes me a better mum a better wife a better friend a better colleague a better everything absolutely (laughs) and I think I think that's such a huge message and you just everything you said just then I was just thinking oh my gosh you've like you've hit the nail on the head and so many people go through things and the degrees, as you said, are, are varied. They're, they're varied. We, you know, you can have something so small happen in as a child that can carry through your whole adult years and, and hold you back and keep you weighted down because you choose to feel like a victim or you choose to decide to keep, to hold on to a story that that's going to be your excuse for not succeeding or, whatever it yeah. may be. And then you can have something happen on a varying degree, like something like losing your children where yes, you don't wish it upon anyone. Yes. You wish in other, in ways that your outcome was different, but you, yeah. you've chosen to, to see it. And I always say it didn't happen to me. It happened for me. And, and yes. that's a beautiful perspective to come from in life in any, in any situation. And, and and you've done that that you're you're a shining example of okay this yeah this isn't this isn't the outcome we wanted but do i now use this as an excuse to live my next 30 years or the rest of my life as a victim as someone who lets this be the reason i don't succeed or the reason i can be a shitty mom or whatever it is or an awful yeah. wife or do i say these boys were put here to give me a lesson that i'll never not show up as my full potential again. And I think it sounds like that's exactly what you've done. And it, it actually brings tears to my eyes just listening to your story. And and it just it just makes me so proud. Um, and I'm so grateful that I connected with you through Instagram. You know, it's like if you ever think Instagram's negative, you just need to go through something like, you know, have a listen to a conversation like this to see how much there is so much realism there and so much beauty within our social media that can connect us Um, yeah and I think that's what I found it I was sort of the same like I thought it was you know such a negative superficial space until sharing my story and I found you just need to find those people on Instagram and Mm. surround yourself with those right energies that yeah really inspiring and same like connecting with you was such an amazing thing for me too and um yeah, I just choose to fill my my time, my feed, my my life with amazing people that you know constantly striving for better. And yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Solange, so much. Um, I'm sure that we could do another whole podcast because you haven't even 
shared the rest of your journey. I know that you are now 17 weeks pregnant with your number four, baby number four. Is that? I am. Yes. Yes. So congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, I hope, I hope for, um, for your sake, the preg, the pregnancy goes very smoothly and also that your morning sickness and day sickness goes away. (laughs) 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 And thank you so much for being a part of this while pregnant and busy. (laughs) Um, but I have no doubt that this podcast is going to be received so well. And I know that we probably have quite a few hundred women now driving to work in tears, um, listening to your story and feeling inspired and number and I mean the most the biggest outcome from anything I do and anyone I have on is is to help someone else feel empowered and and I have absolutely no doubt that you've you've touched one or or many many more people by the, by sharing so thank you for for doing that and being brave and I know that it's a nerve-wracking thing doing things like this um, but we we all appreciate you and I I'm I'm thinking we might have to get you back one day because I'm sure you, and your inbox is going to be flooded even more now. Thank um, you but, so much for having yeah. me. I can't. I thank you so much. I feel so honored to be asked. Sorry, it's um it's certainly a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. I totally agree. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Abundance Hub podcast please screenshot and share it with your friends because living abundantly means sharing things you love with the people around you. If you post on social media, make sure you use hashtag the abundance hub. And if you'd like to help us, please rate and review the podcast on Apple podcasts. It really helps me get the message out to more people. Congratulations on taking time to invest in yourself today.